All right. So first service, people seemed a little they got going after a while. They seemed a little tired. So you guys seem a little bit tired as well. So here's what I want you to do. Just stand up real quick. Stand up unless you're not feeling very good. And you can keep sitting. All right. Some of you 20 year olds are still sitting. Yeah, that's not good. All right. Now sit back down. There's your calisthenics. Now everybody say you have the blood flowing. All right. So now I can kind of get into this because I want you to I want you to be awake. All right. For what God has to say to you this morning through his word. Have you ever set a goal for yourself and then come up short? You know, you set, you, you, you set a goal for, for what you're going to do, and then you just, you end up coming up short. Maybe, maybe you wanted a promotion, or maybe you wanted to get that partnership, or maybe you, you set a goal for yourself to, to, for exercise, or, and maybe you wanted to run a marathon, but because of age or injury, you weren't able to achieve that goal. I mean, you worked at it, and then you got injured, or your doctor said, hey, hey, hey. You know, this is not what I want you doing right now. And so you weren't able to achieve that particular goal. Have you ever gotten that situation? Maybe you started a business or you started an organization and it didn't quite, you know, measure up to what you had in your mind. I mean, you took years kind of laying this out. And then when you started it, you know, maybe it started, but you didn't reach all the goals that you had for starting that business or starting that organization. Last year, I I always set goals for myself. Um, And last year, one of my goals was become a master angler. Okay, some of you are wondering, what's a master angler? Well, that's when you catch four trophy fish. Okay, in the same calendar year. So Ohio has, you know, four, they lay out all kinds of fish you can catch and they have trophy sized fish and you have to catch four of them within the same calendar year. And that was one of my uh, goals. So my son, Josh and I and family and friends, we went out, you know, and we started in the spring and started fishing in the spring. And then we went out in the summer and then the fall. And I was able to catch three of the four trophy fish. I, I caught a bluegill that was about 10 inches. You know, and that's a pretty, that's a pretty big size bluegill. That's a trophy size. And then I was able to catch a striped bass in the Ohio River. It was 24 inches. So that made, made the cut. And I was able to catch a large catfish that was about 40 inches in a quarry. And so I had three out of the four fish. So that was pretty good. And, um, but you know, as time wears on here, as a year goes on, um, I'm still short one fish. So the question I have for us this morning, as we close out our series, do you see what I see is can can we find contentment when when the things that we have in our minds, can we find contentment when when things don't go our way or go the way that we had planned? Can you still be content If you lay out goals for your personal life and things do not go according to your plan, contentment is one of the most challenging spiritual virtues to reach. It is. It is a challenge. Over 300 years ago, Jeremiah Burroughs said that Christian contentment is a rare jewel. A rare jewel. And honestly, it still is. Contentment is when we trust and we rest in the sovereignty of God for our lives. 
When you and I are able to trust and rest in the sovereignty of God, we may lay out particular goals, we may have certain dreams, but we are trusting and resting in God, knowing that his plan is better than our plan. When you, when you, when you have that attitude, you're willing to be used by God in any way he chooses, because, you know, we all, and it's okay to lay out goals, it's totally fine, all right? We want to have those goals, But we need to keep in mind an eternal perspective. What is God's goal for my life? What is God trying to teach me as I lay these goals out? And maybe I don't reach those goals. What is God trying to teach me through it all? Through it all. See, here's the hard thing about setting out goals and and finding contentment. It is very, very difficult for us, okay, for those of us who are desiring to have that peace and joy and contentment in our lives. It's very hard for us in this culture to pull that off because the culture basically rises against it, if you will, makes it so difficult, makes it really difficult. Our world breeds discontentment, okay, breeds it. Think about it. If you're happy, if you're content, you're not buying what they're selling, and they need you to buy what they're selling. But if you're, if you're happy, if you have that contentment, you're not buying it. You know what I'm talking about. It's the idea that the message that they send to you that you need more stuff. You need less wrinkles. You need a better vacation, right? You, you need, you need fewer challenges in your life. That's what's really going to help. If you can just avoid those difficulties and those challenges. And then you add to that our sinful nature. And it's just a, it's, it's just, you wallow in discontentment. With all the world throws at you, and then with your own sinful nature, you end up, you end up, you end up wallowing in discontentment. People, most people are not content with their jobs, with their marriages, with their church, with their house, almost everything in their lives. Most of the people that you know are not content with those things. So then the question is, how, how, how do you find contentment in a culture designed to keep you discontent? Because it is designed to keep you discontent. Because then you have to, you always have to get more. You, it's, oh, if you just had, if you just had, if you just had, then you, oh, finally you'd be content. You live in a culture that breeds this. So back to my fishing quest. Very important. Time's running out, right? For me, it's running out for me to, to catch the, the bass. I'm looking for a bass. I caught different fish. So I showed the different fish for the, the largemouth bass that would put me over the top. Time is kind of running out. And so I'm just kind of thinking it through. I, I thought to myself, well, I've got a few more days here in 2019 and I still have hopes and I, that I would catch this, this bass that would put me over the top and allow me to become an Ohio master angler. Okay, this is important stuff, right? Important stuff for me. So I mapped out, I mapped out a few ponds and a few lakes where I knew they had some really, really large bass. Okay, the question is, would I catch the bass in the time that I needed, or would I fall short? That's the question. That's one of our questions this morning. Would I catch the bass, or would I fall short? And more than that, here's the, really the question. Would I be content either way? Would I be content whether I caught the bass and made it over the top and became a master angler, or 
would I not? That's really the important question. See, Scripture, the good, here's the good news. The Bible tells us that not only that we, that we must be content, here's the good news, that, that we can be content. We actually can be content no matter what the outcome of our personal goals. And again, it is okay to have personal goals. We should all have personal goals. But the Bible says that you can be content regardless of the outcome of your personal goals. Because we all have them. But I'll be honest with you. A lot of times we fall short of those goals. A lot of times we set things out. And again, we have to look at an eternal perspective. What is God trying to teach us as we go through life? In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, it says, Keep your lives free from the love of money. And it honestly... It, it basically says in Scripture, all throughout Scripture, keep your, keep your lives free from the love of anything, okay, that you hold higher than God. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Be content with what you have. Wow, is that a powerful statement. You think, oh, why is that so powerful? Think about it. Be content with what you have, with where God has you right now, with what you, what, what, where, with the house that you're living in right now, the job you have right now. Be content with what you have. Because God says, I'm going to be with you every step of the way. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. I am walking with you through the difficult times, through the easy times, through all times, through all time. I'm going to be with you. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So be content with what you have. This is the kind of the same point that Paul makes in Philippians chapter four, verses 11 through 13. Listen to what he says and listen to what he says. Listen to these words. I am not saying this because I'm in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Let that sink in. I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to, to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every, love those words, situation. Whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Wow, God is not going to ask you to do something. He's not going to give you the power and ability to do. I'm going to keep telling you that when you read the Bible and God calls you to do something, God calls you to become something. He's not going to call you to do something. He's not going to give you the power and the ability to do so twice in this passage. Paul says that he has learned to be content. He has learned to be content. Contentment does not come naturally to our sinful nature. It just doesn't. We need to draw on the power. We need to draw on the power of God to help us. We need to draw on the power of God to help us to learn, to, to help us to change our way, our pattern of thinking. That so many of us have stinking thinking. Okay, I use it all stinking thinking. This is what's holding you back from having a, a life of contentment and peace and joy and happiness. It's this stinking thinking. And we need the power of Jesus Christ to help us to change our thought pattern. But at the same time, we need to take responsibility 
on our own to learn to be content. It's something that it's a spiritual discipline. But people don't like discipline anymore. But I'm telling you, there's two things going on here, two things that are in your favor. Number one, that God will give you the power. God will give you the strength. God will help transform your mind. But then you also need to work with God and you need to learn. You need to personally be responsible to have the spiritual discipline to allow God to work in your life so that you can overcome and you can have that contentment that he is talking about. We need to draw on his power. Paul refers to it as the secret of finding contentment. There's a secret here, except he's telling us the secret. Like I said, contentment does not come naturally to our our sinful nature. It doesn't flow in our natural thought process. You know what flows in our natural thought process? Discontentment. Man, I don't see why. What is this? And why do these people have and these people don't? I wish I, if I just had, if I had a better this, I had a better that, if I just got the this or I got that, then I would be, we, we, negative things flow about other people, about situations, about everything flows out of our mouths, no problem whatsoever. But when it comes to contentment, when it comes to thankfulness, when it comes to joy, when it comes those things, okay, those things, honestly, they're more learned. They're more learned. Let me, let me give you an example of how the world kind of makes it more difficult for us. Our culture teaches us that to achieve contentment, we need to avoid difficult situations. We, we need to avoid things that may cause, eh, that may cause us hardship or that are not personally fulfilling. So avoid things that, that are cause difficult circumstances or avoid hardships and avoid things that are not personally fulfilling. And I have a question for you. That's the, that's the answer. If someone got up from a, from a, from a worldly perspective and told you, how do you find happiness and how do you find contentment? They would say, avoid this. Avoid these things and avoid those things and avoid these things. And this is why no one's content. And most people are not even happy from their own definition, not a biblical definition of happiness, but their own definition of happiness. They're not happy. You know why? Because you can't do that. How many adults are in this room? Okay. How do you avoid? How do you avoid difficult circumstances? You get up in the morning. Okay, minding your own business and leave your house. Difficult circumstances. You get a phone call. Right? Someone does something. You, you can't avoid that. You, you can't avoid these kinds of things. Personal, these personal, the personal fulfillment. There's certain things in your life you can't avoid. So if you're going to take the world's definition of contentment, you're all, oh, this is when it, this will lead to contentment. It is never going to happen. But Paul says, that's their definition of contentment. Paul says, I've learned to be content in good times and in bad. Whether it's good things happening in my life or bad things happening in my life, I have learned to be content in both. The world tells us that more is better, that newer is better, and that the grass will be greener if you get the next upgrade. That's what you need, right? You need the next upgrade. You're not satisfied now. 
give us a couple of weeks after we had you buy this and we're going to show you the upgrade. And if you have the upgrade, if you get the better, if you get the new, then finally, finally, you're going to be content. Why do you, th- why do you think I said in the very beginning, okay, that if you're happy and you're content, the world's not happy and content because you're not going to buy what they're selling. I'm not just talking thoughts and ideas. I'm talking stuff. You're not buying what they're selling if you're happy, if you're content, if you have peace, if you have joy in your life, if, if, you, if you're satisfied with what you have, then that's not going to work. So you're pushing against a world that wants you, and I'm telling you, I am 100% right here. They desperately need you not to be content. They'll talk about it. But they don't want you to be content because then you're not buying what they're selling. Now, a little side note here. Paul is not opposed to being wealthy. He's, he's, only, he's only opposed the idea that wealth is going to bring you what you need to be content. That's what he's opposed to. Not the idea of being wealthy. Nothing wrong with being wealthy. You work hard. You make lots of money. Good for you. But the idea that that wealth is going to bring you contentment, that's what he's opposed to. Paul says he's learned to be content when he has much and when he has little. He, he said, I've been in a situation where I've had a lot. I've had it all. And I've been in situations where I don't have anything. And I've learned to be content with both. We need to ask ourselves. Think about this. Is it the journey to our goal that really matters? Is that what really matters? Think, or will we only be content? Or are we only going to be satisfied if we get what we think we need? The only time you're going to be satisfied is if you get what you actually think you need. My goal was a 20-inch largemouth bass. That's my goal, Okay. But is it the journey or the result that will ultimately bring me joy? That's the question that we all need to ask. Is it the journey or is it the result? What, what if I spent all of 2019 trying to become a master angler? I have. I, you know, it's not like first forefront in my mind, but I kind of would like to do it. Right? I like to fish. I like to take people out to fish. I like to take my family out to fish. So what if I spend all of 2019 trying to become a master angler and then fell short? Oh, man, 2019 was awful. It was terrible, right? I, I had a goal. I was trying to catch these fish. And then you could do something like, oh, God, I don't understand why. Why, 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 why? I didn't catch, you know. You get mad at God, you get mad at people around. I mean, think about that. Think about yourself. Think about yourself. Are you, are you going to live in a constant state of discontentment until you get that job? Until you reach the top of whatever it is? Until you fulfill that dream? You're going to be discontent. You're going to be unhappy. You're going to be uh, grumpy. Whatever words you want to use, you're going to be discontent until you reach that particular goal. Until you, until you get to the top of whatever it is. Until that dream that you've had for the last year or maybe three years is fulfilled. Think about, think about, just think about that. Because you say, that's ridiculous because you're miserable all the time. Yeah, exactly. But you know what? That's how we live. That's how we live. God says, be content with what you have. 
Be content with, be content with where I have you now. I'm not going to leave you there. We're going to keep moving forward. But be content with what you have. Imagine living that kind of life where you're content. If God gives you more, you're, you're, cont- you're, you're, not more, you're just content. He keeps giving you. He keeps walking with you. And whether you go through a really difficult time in your life, here's the thing about that. You go through a difficult time in your life. You know God says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He's walking right along with you. And he says, I'm going to use this. I'm going to use this, whatever you're going through, whatever difficulty that the world has now put in your way, I'm going to use it to your benefit and to the benefit of others. So even the difficult times, even the times where you felt like, man, things are not going my way, God is still going your way. He's still walking with you. And he's going to use those things to impact your life and the lives of others. So let me throw a little twist into our secret, okay? A little bit of a twist here into our secret. Paul is saying that in order for you to find contentment, you also need to be discontent. And you're like, okay, wait a second. Well, let me let me explain this to you. Let me let me Christians Christians should be the most content people in the world, and they should also be the most unsatisfied people in the world. Now I'm throwing you way off, right? Where are you going with this? Well, let me, let, me, let me try to explain. Let me help you understand. And in order for you to understand, we need to go back to Philippians chapter 3. We're in chapter 4, right? Go back to Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. This is what he says. This is what Paul says. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal. He, he says, I'm not there. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ has taken hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The discontentment of chapter 3 allows us, allows us to find the contentment of chapter 4. He says there needs to be some discontentment in your life in order to reach true contentment. You're saying, Pastor, what are you talking about? To find true contentment. Listen, you you need to have a passion for holiness. You need to, we talk about justification, just as if I've never sinned. We just took communion. And the reason you were able to take communion is because you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And the blood of Christ covers you the moment you ask him to come into your life. And then you have sanctification, which is an ongoing process. And Paul is saying, I have not achieved the goal that I'm ultimately trying to achieve yet. But I press on. He's, but he said he was content. He's content, but at the same time, he's discontent. He's satisfied, but he's unsatisfied. See, we need to set spiritual goals. Paul's saying, you need to set some spiritual goals for yourself that are way out there, right? And then you need to strive. You need to try to strive to achieve them. He's basically saying that we need to try to take hold of that for which Christ has taken hold of us. This mystery, this incredible dynamic mystery that Christ died on a cross for our sins and has transformed our lives. He says, I want to take hold of that for which Christ has taken hold of me. To understand what Paul means here in chapter 3, verse 12, where he says, He has not yet obtained this 
or taken hold of this, we need to look back at verse 10. And this is what he says in verse 10. That I may know Christ and the power of his resurrection. That I may know Christ and the power of his resurrection and may share in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. There is his ultimate goal. Here it is, my friends. Here is the key. The contentment. The contented Christian is one who knows God, who knows Christ, but is in passionate pursuit of knowing him more and better. There's where you have contentment and discontentment. A contented Christian is someone who knows Christ. You know Christ. This is where you are in your life and you're content. But you are in a passionate pursuit of knowing him even more. So you're saying, here's where I am. And I'm, you know what, God, you put me in a good place. But there's so much more I need to learn. There's so many areas where I need to grow. There's so many personality defects I still need to work on. There's so many that you go through it. There's so many things that I still struggle with. And he says, you press on to take hold of that for which Christ has taken hold of you. So you're content in your day-to-day living, but you're discontent with the fact that you know that I can know him more and I'm going to strive to know him more. It's an amazing, it's an amazing paradigm, if you will. To know him more, to know him more, we need to know the word of God. Now, some of you are like, woo in here one way or out the other. Um, please, listen to me. Listen to me. Okay, you are not content in your life right now. So many of you, so many are not content. You're discontent. You're frustrated. You're overwhelmed. You don't feel peace. I say peace, joy, contentment, happiness. You're like, whatever you want. If I said, raise your hand, you don't have to raise your hand. Whoever wants to be peace, have peace, joy, contentment and happiness in their life. Raise your hand. Everyone's going to raise their hand. But if I ask you, how, how, how often do you spend time in the word of God? God, why don't you? God, I don't understand. How? Okay, so you go, you leave here today, and you go to sleep, you wake up tomorrow, you go through your life, and all of a sudden, one thing after another just starts hitting you. Okay? Difficult things, one after another. God has given you in his word the answer to how to handle every single one of those things. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. That the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for everything. Okay, so there it is. The word of God has answers to everything you're going to face tomorrow and throughout your life. But you know what the problem is? You don't know it. And you're like, oh, I don't understand. This stuff, this Christianity doesn't work. Now, it, God works. You don't. You're not working. It's you. The one. The thing that's not working is the fact that God's telling you exactly how to find these things. Paul lays it all out for us, but we choose not to do it because we think there's an easy path. There is no easy path. You know, if you want to, if you want to. Um, be a Christian, come sit in church, um, uh, listen to some really good music, um, whatever, good, that, that, that's where you'll stay. If you want to be content, if you want to have peace in your life, if you want to be happy, biblically happy, if you want to have real joy, then you have to do what God is asking you to do here. And that is some spiritual discipline. You need to spend time in his word and you need to spend time with him. And I'm not talking a two second prayer. I'm talking about taking him with you wherever you go in every area of your life. You need to take him with you. He needs to be a part of your work. 
He needs to be a part of your play. He needs to be a part when you're fishing. He needs to be a part when you're hanging out with your friends. He needs to be a part when you're on vacation. He needs to be a part of every single beat, every single fabric of your life. That's what God calls us to do. We need to know him. What we know of him can bring contentment. But then we need to be discontent knowing that we are pursuing even more knowledge of God that will bring us even greater things than that. We need to invest our lives in the things that matter to him. Paul wants to know the power of Christ that comes. He, he's saying, I want to know the power of Christ that comes when he says that, that he, wants to, he wants to obtain these things. He wants to understand. He wants to be brought into. He wants to know the power of Christ that comes from sacrificing for others. He wants to know the power of Christ. He wants to be brought into the, the, what it means to die to self. You die, when you became a Christian, surprise, you died. Okay, you're, you, you, the old you is dead and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So Paul wants to know what it means to sacrifice for others where Christ sacrificed for others. He wants to know what it means to actually die to self. Paul says in doing so, in doing this, we become, we become like Christ in his death. We become more like him. Christ, Christ was the most content, the happiest the most fulfilled, the most everything human that ever lived through everything he experienced. And Paul says, I want to know what it means to be like Christ in his death. What did Paul say earlier on in chapter Philippians 121 to live is Christ to die is gain. That's his life to live. Everybody breathe in and out real fast. Deep breath. So you're living. So you're breathing To live is Christ. To breathe is Christ. Everything. Your very existence to live is to live for Jesus Christ. And to die will ultimately be gain because you'll spend eternity with him. Paul knows becoming like Christ is not a moment to achieve. It is a goal to pursue. It's not a moment to achieve. It is a goal to pursue. This is the secret of being content. This is a secret of contentment to know Christ and to press on to know him better in every area of my life. Every area, every area of our lives, when we know him, here's the thing, when we know him and we love him and we continue to press forward in, 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 in that knowledge, we become more like him. We become, and when we become more like him, we love the things that he loves. We chase after the things that matter to him. We seek out the things that he seeks. We focus on what matters to Christ, not just what matters to ourselves. We're able to break free from the self, the selfishness of our, of our lives. And we start focusing on what matters to him. We care. We start to care less about our own agenda. And start to care more about what he has for our lives. Because honestly, my friends, that's where you're going to find contentment. We are ch- you are chasing after, I am chasing after sometimes all the wrong things. All the wrong things. And we wonder why we're not content. And when we start to think, you, a lot of you right here are thinking, wow, you, this, this guy is like way out there. 
I, I don't even understand half of what he's saying, let alone actually apply it to my life. Be encouraged, okay? You, God has you. You have some knowledge of God. And even with the knowledge you have, you can be content. All I'm saying is that you should strive for even more knowledge, to become more like him. And if you're saying this morning, I hear you, Pastor, but I don't think I have the strength. I don't think I have the ability. I don't have the ability to actually to, to, to pull this off. Like Paul, like Paul, we can remember, we can all remember that I can do all things to Christ who gives me strength. Here's the thing, guys, you know, when you when you think about this and I tell you, you know, you know, this is you have a personal responsibility as well to do this. And you think, I don't know if I can. I have the spiritual discipline. Here's the cool thing. Here's a cool thing. You can do all things, not through your own strength, but you can do all things to Christ who gives you that strength. How often have you said to yourself when people have told you, oh, you just got to reach deep down and you got to go. You just got to pull from deep down and you go and you pull and there's nothing to pull from because you're exhausted. You're overwhelmed. You tried that. There's nothing left to pull from. You grab your bootstraps and they snap. Right. It isn't your power that we that will help you get to where you need to be. It isn't coming from your strength. It's coming from his strength. It's the power of the resurrected Jesus Christ that gives you the ability to accomplish all that you need to accomplish. So when you say, I don't have the ability, I'm not sure I have the ability to pull off what you're talking about, Pastor. I totally agree. I totally agree. But what did he say? Something like, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I think he said something like, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I think he talked about the fact that we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. I think that we have the Holy Spirit living us, living in us, and the resurrection power of Jesus Christ flowing through our veins. So I think, though you may have the ability to pull off what I'm talking about, God has the ability through you to pull off what we're talking about. That's what Paul's saying. I can do all things, not through my own power. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. So back to the bass. Back to my bass, right? Because this is important stuff. The bass is important. I wrote this sermon. I wrote the sermon before I went fishing this week. And honestly, I, I didn't have an ending to the sermon. I really didn't. I wrote it and then I just put this down or I put or and I, I was going to kind of fill in the blank. But I didn't know because I went fishing this weekend. God ended up giving me and all of us some really perfect 60 degree days. Right. So I had my goal. I had my goal. My goal was to catch a 20 inch bass. All right. So now it was time to go out and try to do it. And then when I started thinking about it, I was writing a sermon and I started thinking about it. I started thinking about Man, what would it be like that if if I caught because I don't a 20 inch bass is big. OK, and in December, it's real big because it's harder to catch them in December. What would it be like if I caught this 20 inch bass and I I was able to get my, my I was able to be a master angler. You know what I'm saying? And I say, I'm a master angler. You know how important that is to be a master angler. So so I prayed about it. I prayed that I catch a 20 inch bass. I had other people praying, oh, Lord, help pastor, help my father catch a 20-inch bass. I prayed about it. I studied 
I studied on the behavior of bass in the winter, kinds of foods they like, the behavior that they go through when it's winter time. I had it all studied out and I was thinking, oh, wouldn't it be amazing? But then then I started thinking about this year. Honestly, you think about all the fun that I had fishing with my son, Josh, and with my other family members, my grandkids, with some of you. Um, just fishing with friends and family, it, it just, it, it was, it's been, it's been so much fun. On, honestly, all the excitement of catching, um, some of the, some of the fish that we caught. All the excitement of being on vacation and not catching all these great fish on vacation, but why, you sending me pictures of the great fish that you were catching on vacation. I, my, my phone was lighting up with, hey, check this one out. Hey, how about that one? Hey, can you beat this one? I mean, all the fishing. It was really, it was so much fun. And the fun that I had, the luck, the absolute luck when I went fishing on the Ohio River with some friends and family, right? And I was fishing for a big catfish. I figured I got one big one, but there are different kinds of catfish. And it'd be easier to catch a bigger one on the Ohio River. So I was going for two different kinds of catfish. And I caught a striped bass. I was fishing for a catfish and caught a striped bass that was trophy size. I caught a trophy size striped bass. Right? I was thinking about all these cool things. I thought to myself, the most important thing was, I'm going to be content whatever happens. I'm actually going to be content no matter what the outcome. Because I've said this all year long. I'm going to finish, up by, I'll finish this sermon up by leaving you some, just some important thoughts. Life is about who you are, not what you accomplish. And the sooner you realize that, the, the, the sooner you're going to be a person who's content. Life is about who you are. It's not about what you accomplish. It's not about doing. It's about being. It's about being more like Jesus Christ. It's about being thankful. It's about being available. It's about being present with people. Taking the time to be present with people through the good times and the bad times. It's not, you know, Christianity, people say it's about doing. You've got to do this and you've got to do this. And gotta, it's not about doing. It's about being. It's about who you are. And the rest, okay, will come. If you're, if you're the person that God has designed and created you to be, then you'll be doing the right things. Life is about who you are. It's not about what you accomplish. It, it's... It's about becoming more like him through the good times and through the disappointments. And then it's about taking both those good times and those disappointments, both the ups and the downs, the struggles and the triumphs, and using them to impact the lives of other people. It's about learning lessons. Right. It's about experiences and how how can I take my experiences and impact someone else's life? Let me explain something to you. The journey should be the goal. The it is the journey should be the goal. I had so much fun thinking about this sermon and how it would turn out Monday while I was writing it. I was, I was, that's what I was thinking about. How, how it would, what were the, what were the, what were the possible outcomes of the sermon? I had them kind of written down here. What were the possible outcomes before I went, before I actually went out and tried to catch it? I, I was thinking about what you all might learn. I learned a whole bunch. I always learn first, just so you know that, right? I learned that I come and teach you. What you might learn 
what, how, it, how this sermon, maybe something in it, might touch your life. How, how you could maybe take something um, and, tra- and maybe change your way of thinking going into 2020. 2019 and before that, man, you're, you're not content, you're, you're frustrated, you don't understand, this isn't fair. And all of a sudden, maybe this sermon can help you go into 2020 with a different perspective on life. So in the end, you think about it, in the end, it doesn't really matter if I caught the bass or not. Let's pray. I'm just kidding. You're all like... <laughs> Oh, I love it, I love it, I love it, I'm still over. All right, um, so let me walk through my day. So I, I walked my day. So first, I went out, I went fishing, and I caught this one. I'm like, Lord, I need a 20-inch bass. This is calling biting off more than you can chew, okay? That lure is bigger than the fish who tried to bite it, all right? So I went back out, I took him, I know. I, I, and I got this one and I thought, well, that's a little better. That's getting a little better. And then I caught this one, which is not a 20 incher, but it's getting. And then I ended up catching this one, but it was only 17 and a half inches. Oh, so I was, so I was three inches, two and a half, three inches short. Okay. But you know, you ever hear that saying, there's more fish in the sea well, there's different kinds of fish in lakes and in ponds. So I was out there with two poles and I was using a lure on one. And I thought, I'm going to bring, I'm just going to get, get a, a thing of worms. Worms are always your best bet, right? At the end of the day. So I hooked up a worm. I threw it. I let it sit on the bottom. I thought the bass are on the bottom and they're not moving very much. And if they see something wiggling, maybe I'll catch one. So all of a sudden, the line that was sitting there starts to move. It starts to go and it starts to go. I grab it, I grab it. I'm like, whoa, this is something big. And I reel in and instead of a bass, I catch a carp. And a carp is a trophy carp. That's a size that was big enough to be a trophy carp. So instead of catching a 20 inch bass, I caught a large enough carp. And so I am a master angler. <laughs> now, before pride gets too hold, hold of me too much here about being a master angler, let's just recap how I caught these four fish. I was fishing for a catfish and I caught a striped bass. I was fishing for a largemouth bass and I caught a carp. Okay, as I wrote this sermon, I see my notes here. I wrote all these things down as I wrote this sermon. Nowhere in the (laughs) nowhere in the final conclusion of this sermon was a carp involved. Okay, (laughs) I did not consider I had never in my life actually caught a carp with a hook. I caught them by hand when I was a kid. I'd chase them up and down a stream and catch a huge carp with my hands. All right. But I never caught a carp. I never thought about catching a carp in the wintertime, but I caught a carp. So I close with this. God works in mysterious ways. <laughs> let's, let's pray. God, God, thank you so much for this awesome day you've given to us. And thank you so much, Lord, for what you're teaching us all the time. And it actually doesn't matter if we always accomplish all the goals we personally set out for ourselves, what matters is the journey. What matters is the experience. What matters is learning what you're trying to teach us and then applying that to our lives, but then taking it and applying it to the lives of others. Father, we pray that in 2020, 
we would take these lessons that we've learned all year long. We would take these lessons and use them to strengthen and grow our own spiritual lives, Lord God. But more than that, to glorify you and to become more like your son, Jesus Christ, every single day, every single moment of our lives. May we become more like you. If that's our goal, we will be content. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Happy New Year. I love you guys.